You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to NFL Draft Coverage on BGN. The Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock, and we are one day away from the 2019 NFL Draft. What a time to be alive. These BGN Draft Specials are, of course, brought to you by the fine folks at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. that's K-I-S-T. Make sure you're following all the draft coverage over at BleedingGreenNation.com. And if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button to continue to get year-round coverage of the Philadelphia Eagles here on Bleeding Green Nation Podcast. Today... On episode three of the BGN Draft Specials, we have another fantastic guest. He's my buddy John Owning, and he writes for Sports Day Cowboys over at sportsday.dallasnews.com. He's the editor-in-chief at the Quant Edge with friend of the show, Elliot Christ. That's at thequantedge.com. And he's on a podcast called Best Coast Boys Pod. Make sure to check that out if you want to know your enemy. Very important part of the process here at BGN is keeping tabs on those rotten cowboys. And John is one of my favorite writers covering the team, and I always learn something from his work. On top of covering the cowboys, John is also a brilliant mind when it comes to evaluating pass rushers coming into the NFL. And because of that, I had him on to talk about his edge rankings, and we get into the double digits for the number of prospects discussed. So there's a ton of information on this here show. And really, if you're just wanting to learn more about the evaluation process and what to look for, one of my favorite parts of this conversation is when I asked John to describe why footwork is an underrated and key aspect of the position when it comes to rushing the passer. Quickly, I'll remind you that the first two BGN draft specials cover the offensive line in its entirety. We had Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter to talk interior O-line. Then we had Brandon Thorne from the Scouting Academy in USA Football on to talk about the top offensive tackles in this class. If you missed those, go back and give those a listen because there's a ton of great content there. All right, let's kick it over to my chat with John Owning to talk about this crop of pass rushers in the 2019 NFL Draft. Mr. Owning, John, how you doing, brother? Doing swell. It's a, it's a fantastic Monday evening. The, all the tape has been ground into dust. I'm ready to talk about I'm ready to verbalize my opinions, man. Yeah, the bone meal powder that we have made <laughs> into some healing potion, which we need right now to get us through the rest of this season. <laughs> of course, we're recording on a on a Monday night. I'm not sure when this is going to be. We got shows coming hot and heavy here on Bleeding Green Nation, covering all these positions, covering the draft, kissing Solak shows, flying left and right. So it's a fun time here at Bleeding Green Nation. And John... Just so you can introduce yourself to the gentle listeners before we talk about this crop of edge rushers in this 2019 NFL draft, would you let the gentle people know where you're from, where they can find your work? How's it going, everybody? Um, living in the beautiful Sacramento, California. So fun. Not boring at all, I promise. Oh, I've been, <laughs> um, I've been to Sacramento. It, there's not a whole lot going on there, but oh, yeah, yeah, not great. Not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> but yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. 
Um, you guys can find all my draft analysis at the Dallas Morning News, uh, sportsday.com. All my film evaluations are there. All my prospect articles are there. Find me there. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, you are a Cowboys fan, right? We want to qualify yes, yes, that right yes, up front. Be careful. Be gentle. Please, Eagles fans, please. <laughs> I'm a gentle uh, soul. John is is one of the best evaluators I know when it comes to edge talent, no matter what team he roots for. And uh, we're, we're, we're good friends, so we don't have to worry about any homerism coming out. This is a non-homer show. We're going to just talk about these edge prospects and then fight over which ones the Eagles will get over the Cowboys will get. But let, let's go over your rankings, John. So what I'm looking at here, and, and this is pretty standard fare here at number one, Nick Bosa is number one we can talk about that or we can talk about this little stack here you got under that because brian burns is my number two guy you have josh allen montez sweat and then brian burns pretty closely clumped together who separates themselves and why for instance josh allen above that clump under boso why there the thing that really impressed me about josh allen is just that his footwork was always purposeful he always had a plan with his footwork and he used it really well to manipulate the past sets of offensive tackles he did a lot of things in that kentucky defense and he had a lot of different responsibilities that he had to do on a play-by-play basis in the situations where he was allowed to pin his ears back and really rush the passer I think you really saw him excel toward the ends of games. He helped close out, I think, two or three of Kentucky's games this year. You see the speed off the edge. You see the violence necessary with his hands, even though I think with swipes, he could be a little bit more forceful, a little bit more violent with his hands, and I think that would be a little bit more effective. But you see it with the chops. He's really effective with uh, shortening the corner with chops, and then he has the flexibility to run the corner and run it at a high speed while maintaining his momentum really well. The thing that really sold me on him is just like I said at the jump is I think his footwork is more purposeful than any than Burns or Montez Sweat is jumping over to a guy like Montez Sweat obviously he has all the athletic ability in the world that you could want off the edge he has the awesome three cone time he has all the four four speed the good shuttle time and I really think he gets uh undersold with how good his hand technique is I think just because he plays through the pads of his of opposing offensive tackles people kind of downgrade his hands a little bit more than they should I think he uses his length really well I think he has a lot of a variety of escapes that he uses off his length, off the long arm and off a two hand stab that he uses really well. The only thing with him is where Josh Allen really set himself apart with the footwork is I think Montez Sweat isn't as advanced with his footwork. You see, he has the raw foundation that you want from his footwork. He has a couple of little stutter steps. He has an inside jab that he'll use, but he doesn't consistently show purpose with his footwork. And then that was the same thing with Brian Burns. I think he can, I think he gets a little bit lazy with his inside foot a lot of times when he's trying to corner and that causes him to drift a little bit farther upfield than a guy with his kind of flexibility and speed really could. And I think in the NFL, that's going to get him burned a little bit. That's why he, he's a little bit lower on my rankings than what you see from most people. And that's interesting. You you mentioned the footwork a lot, and that can be an overlooked aspect when you're watching this, guys, because, you know, you're watching the band and you're watching the mm-hmm. first step explosion. Can you explain brief, like real quick, why footwork is so key, especially for somebody that might have some issues with some flexibility for them to be able to turn that corner? Yeah, because the main thing that you want to see from when a guy is turning the corner is you want to see their inside toe pointed toward the quarterback at all times. And the reason why you wanted it toward the quarterback is that makes it your hips more easily available to get into a downward path toward the quarterback. When you see guys with their foot pointed, their inside foot pointed a little bit too far upfield, it really stresses the flexibility on their ankles and their hips. And if they're super flexible, like a guy like Von Miller, he can really contort his body at really 
freakish angles. So even if his inside foot isn't perfect, he has the flexibility to still maintain his momentum and carry his ability to fight into the quarterback. But none of the guys in this class really have that kind of foot flexibility and hip flexibility except Bosa, but Bosa doesn't have that explosiveness. So you really just want to get that inside foot pointed toward the quarterback and you want to make sure so it gets your hips on that line. And then another thing that I really look for in footwork is the ability to manipulate pass sets. You see a lot of guys, especially in colleges, they threaten vertically right off the snap and they keep attacking vertically, meaning they just burst upfield. But when you get yeah. to the NFL, you need a much more diverse repertoire of inside flashes, outside flashes, stutter steps, foot fires that can get the offensive lineman to not only move his feet, but also to get his weight leaning inside if you're trying to win outside, get his weight leaning outside if you're trying to win inside. All of those type of things can really exacerbate, especially like his speed to power can really be exacerbated by really good footwork. I like that. That's beautiful context. And as we go through these rankings, I just want to qualify because you have you have Bosa at the top here. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you think he's a, a top three, top five yeah. type of guy yeah. pretty much. I think he's outstanding. Yeah, he's incredible. Big news flash. Nick Bosa is <laughs> really good. Yeah. And then you have Allen, Sweat, and Burns in their own other tier there. Where where are you taking them? I would take them any place outside the top 10. Okay. I think Josh Allen has a little bit too many. As much as I love his creativity and his footwork as a pass rusher, I think he does have some considerable warts against the run game that kind of pushes his value down past that top five that he's really getting a lot of a lot of buzz at right now so that's interesting and right after that you have another group here that i want to talk about because there's one guy that's left out of it so there's jakai polite who i don't necessarily know what to do with him in my rankings Mm -hmm. because on film fantastic maybe some concerns against the run Mm -hmm. but the film is freaking awesome and then he just has the weirdest combine pre-draft process that you could possibly imagine for a guy and has completely tanked his stock. You still have a high grade on him. I get that. That's mostly film base. Is that correct? Yeah, it doesn't take into account off the field concerns at all or injury. So with Polite, if he can like figure it out, what did you like about him on film? Because for me, like he was a, a surefire top 25 guy before all this weirdness happened. Oh, yeah, for sure. The only thing that knocked him out of the first round was just his abysmal testing. And I have a rule that if they if they run a drill, I have to use the time, even if there's context, because I can't pick and choose which players that I choose. And I think it brings too much variability into my analysis. So that's the only reason why he dropped out. But the thing I love about him is I really think he's the most natural and gifted pass rusher in this entire class. I mean, he rushes the passer kind of like a boxer. His ability to slip strikes and contort his upper body while keeping his lower body pointed toward the quarterback is really unique and it's really incredible. One thing you usually see from pass rushers is they use their hands really well to redirect direction of strikes and then they're allowed to slip punches. Kai mm. Polite just is able to do it just with his upper body, kind of like how Floyd Mayweather is just slips a jab. He slips the initial strikes. Now in the NFL, their offensive linemen are obviously gonna they're gonna adjust to that and they're gonna come with more of those scoop type blocks, and he's gonna have to develop his hands further to defeat those. But just from a natural pass rush state, he's just everything that you see that it takes a lot of people to work at and really refine, he just does it naturally. He's his footwork is really refined. His uh, stride length and his stride frequency is really, really consistent. And he knows how to manipulate it well to be able to win that outside, win on the outside hip of offensive tackles. It's really, really special. If he, Like you said, if he can get it figured out and he can get his weight figured out and regain that explosiveness that he had at Florida this year, and he can really become a hard worker and really develop his hands 
even more so than they already are. He's a guy that could be a double-digit sack per year type of player. It's so interesting because he had played the previous year more inside and he mm-hmm. was 270 pounds exactly, and then he trimmed yeah. down to play on the edge and then they took him out for rundowns and he shows up to the combine and you're thinking, oh, he put on some weight. That's good because mm-hmm. he's a little undersized for a defensive end and then he's like, it, it's not good weight. It's yeah. sloppy weight. Yeah. And then he tested weird and it's just a... What an enigma, uh, almost like a Robert Incomdiche kind of situation yes, coming into yes. the draft. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that. The next guy you have on this list, so let's go through these next two guys. You've got Christian Miller from Alabama, who for me is, I think, is in my 40s on the big board. I really like him. Has some injury concerns, but what he can do as an edge rusher is really, really nice. And then he's followed up by Cleveland Farrell. And Farrell from Clemson is a guy that a lot of people can see going in the top 25. You know, if he falls to the Eagles at 25, I think he would be a major consideration there what do you like about Miller that puts him above Farrell why is Farrell so low on your list the thing that really bothered me about Farrell is that he's he's solid at a lot of places but he's not he's not outstanding at any single spot I think that his hands are probably the best thing that he does yeah but then he gets in his own way a lot of times by rushing too square on rushes I think he doesn't attack the angles he doesn't manipulate rush angles well enough I think he attacked he does well when he works off of a fit, he's one of the better people from working when an offensive lineman has contact on him and he has contact on the offensive lineman. He's really he's really advanced in his ability to shed contact and then use that to penetrate, especially in the run game. But I think he just, as a pass rusher, he's going to have a lot of trouble if he continues to rush guys down the center. I need to see him attack edges a little bit more. I want to see mm-hmm. him manipulate rush angles, like I said earlier, with his footwork a little bit more. His film just always leave, led me wanting a little bit more, just a little bit more. And he... Just in all the different, I'd score 20 different traits on edge defenders, and he graded in the above average range in, what is it, 17 out of the 20. So he's a guy who's just really <laughs> well-rounded, but he's just yeah. he doesn't score in the elite range that the other guys do. The guy like Christian Miller does with his hand-to-hand combat. I really think that uh, Christian Miller, the reason why I put him above Cleveland Farrell is I see him, his ability to react and uh, sequence his hands together is really a little bit more advanced than Cleveland Farrell at this point. I think he's a little bit more explosive, and I think he has a little bit more flexibility in his hips to bend and run under that table on the on the edge and really flatten to the quarterback really well. He sustains his burst a little bit better than Farrell, too, is another thing I think he does a little bit better. Yeah, he definitely can get upfield and get under the table and, and get around the corner there. I don't care what the testing says. Yeah. The film says the guy is bendy, and he can, he can get it mm-hmm. done. So Miller's a really enticing one, and that's kind of what the Eagles might be looking for in the second round and when we come back we are going to talk about the following stack of players after that and try like many have tried to do before we'll try to figure out what's up with Rashawn Gary that's up next here on another edition of the BGN draft specials and we're back so we talked about the second round guys, but in the in the next crop of guys here, let's go through them here. You've got Chase Winovich, who I really liked. Like every time I watched mm-hmm. Rashawn Gary, my eyes always went back to Winovich, and I'm lower on Gary than most. And I think the NFL wants to take him somewhere in the top 15, which for me is a bit wild. Oh, yeah. He's a guy that I've, I've watched a lot. I, I did him last summer. I did an eval for him, like a, like a pre-season you know season type of thing to see what I was going to be looking for from a development standpoint. I didn't see that in the next year, which was disappointed. We didn't see the production. So he's a very polarizing prospect. Obviously, the athletic skill set is nice, and he tests nice. I think he's a little more stiff in the lower body than, yep. than people w- will mention. But what about Gary puts him behind his teammate Winovich there? I think he's just way less refined and from a hand technique perspective and from a footwork perspective. 
I yeah. really have a hard time liking guys that don't have that aren't assertive with their hands. Gary is just he has all the athletic ability in the world, but he just minimizes it because of his inability to use his hands in a really purposeful manner, an assertive manner. He's late on contact, his timing is poor, he doesn't use a wide ranging amount of techniques, he doesn't manipulate pass sets with his footwork. He's more of just a speed to power kind of guy. That's the way he works. Yeah. He works with the square with the bull rush. He has a nice long arm that he converts into a shot put move pretty well. But besides that, there's just not the variety in his work. When guys, when he gets to the NFL, guys are going to figure out his speed up the edge and they're just going to either push him beyond the edge or they're going to sit down when he converts the power every single time because he has not shown the vision to be able to convert his speed into inside counters really well. And he hasn't shown the ability to soften the corner effectively on the edge. So before we get to the last guy in this group, we've already mentioned Cleveland Farrell, Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary. There's one more guy in this bucket. What bucket is this? What what round are you taking these guys? Is this like the second round type of yeah, guys? Yeah, these are all my second round grades. Okay. My pure second, my mid to late second round grades. Someone that snuck in your second round, who I recently did a second round of film on, is Old Dominion Edge O'Shane Zimenez, oh, yes, who baby. was an Eagles official visit. I don't know what I was missing on this guy the first time. I, I might have just kind of blown through the tape and just my brain might have farted. But when I came back around to the tape a second time to really like finalize his grading mm-hmm. and, and do the deep dive necessary to get all that in there and, and figure out where I wanted to slot him, I came away really impressed. Like obviously lower level of competition, mm-hmm. but what he does is interesting because a lot of times you'll find guys with all that sack production at a lower level of competition. They aren't refined in many things. Yeah. They can win with athleticism and strength because they're just bigger, faster, stronger than everyone there. So that's one thing. And then you have to kind of project them out that way. With Zimenez, I saw someone that was really active heavy with his hands use them to set up use the use the footwork the jab steps and everything to set up you know the inside club swim and and all these different things i saw him reacting to different pass sets on the fly like jump sets where he then takes that inside step recognize the jump step on the jump step on the second step the offensive lineman wants to get his hands on you Zimenez recognizes this expands his rush works his hands with a double swipe to get his guy off balance then his feet are already pointed at the quarterback so the, those little things just throughout the film just popped up all the time. And I feel like a lot of people might be sleeping on this guy. What'd you like about Zimenez? Preach, my man. Preach. He's <laughs> a guy that I was, I'm really actually like upset at myself that I didn't watch him earlier. I got to him really late in the process, really toward the end when I was finalizing my edge rankings. And I just really fell in love. <laughs> he, what he reminds me of, and he, I'm not a guy that does comps a lot. I only do, do it when it really jumps to my eye out of nowhere. And I Same. think he's a less explosive Carl Lawson with the way he uses his hands and the violence in his hands and his ability to use his footwork to set up his hands. It really reminds me a lot of Carl Lawson, what he was ability to do it at Auburn. Not what he's doing more at Cincinnati, where he's using those kind of long arm shot put moves a lot on the edge. But at Cincinnati, yeah. I mean, at Auburn, where he was using those powerful chops to soften the edge, or he's using those powerful <sighs> swipes, and then he was really flattening to the edge and being, you know, just that violence with the hands. You could see that he affects offensive linemen when he lands with his hands. A lot of a big problem that I noticed in this class is they don't have, they don't put the force necessary behind their hand technique to effectively win and effectively shorten that corner and off balance these offensive linemen. But that's not a problem with O'Shane Zimenez. What else did you like about him? Because he's, he's he wins in a variety of ways. You have a second round grade. I'm sorry. You're obviously high on him. I think he's going to land in my top 80, like right around there. He's a guy that for me, number one, slam dunk in the third round, mm-hmm. but could sneak his way 
into the NFL in the second round. Is there a trait? Because you said you 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 grade twenty traits. Mm-hmm. Is there a dominant trait on there that you feel comfortable projecting from a lower level of competition to the NFL? Yeah, I think it's just his entire approach and his vision as a pass rusher. Like you were talking before, his ability to alter his rush plans based upon the sets of offensive linemen is really unique, and that's really going to set himself up for success in the NFL because. He has such an advanced conceptual understanding of pass rush that that's going to allow him to transition against any level of competition, in my opinion. Sure, there'll be a little bit of a transition at the beginning as he gets used to the speed of the game, but just his conceptual yeah. understanding of what move is he def- is the offensive lineman taking away and what move is he mm-hmm. weak for? or what, what about his set can I take advantage of? And he's really good at that, taking that kind of mental picture and then defeating it on the fly. Just like in other things that you said, I mean, I got my notes right here, and these are the different moves that I had him listed down for. He had long arms, he had arm overs, club moves, swipe moves, and cross chops. That is an insane amount of variety, and they're all effective. <laughs> they're not like a guy yeah. like Max Crosby who uses a lot of different type of hand uses, a lot of different type of pass rushes, but they're not refined. O'Shane is Zimenez is obviously refined. You could tell he's put in those 10,000 hours necessary to really masterful his keeping his feet connected with his hands and all those nuances that allow you to be to allow your hands to be successful from college and in the NFL. Yeah, so that's an underrated guy that we both really like. Let, let's wrap this up with uh, a little thought a little thought about what our teams could do in this situation. Maybe we'll let some homerism yeah, snap in here, here. but <laughs> if if I'm the Eagles and I see Brian Burns slipping into the teens, number one, I I, I got to get in before 19 mm-hmm. with the Tennessee Titans. If the Eagles select Burns at 18, how concerned are you? I'm very how, concerned. How concerned I'm very concerned. Inner Cowboys fan. I'm very concerned. What do you mean? How concerned am I? I'm very concerned. You guys already take all of the good pass rushers. I mean, come on. You've got Fletcher Cox. You guys got Brandon Graham. You guys had Chris. Chris Long was a backup pass rusher for you guys. Edge defender last year for you guys. What the fuck is that? Come on. <laughs> I mean, you guys got Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat can't even sniff the field, and he was one of my most underrated edge defenders in last year's draft. I loved him. This is pissing me off. Stop taking my favorite edge defenders, please. How about, how about a Rashawn Gary or a Charles O'Menehue? Can I interest you in one of those? Jalen Ferguson on discount. How about that? Oh, Jalen Ferguson, man. No, let, 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 let's talk about him because I've seen him mock to the Eagles in the first round before. Yes, I oh, love it. Love it. I still think he's running his three-cone. But... <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you not like about Ferguson? Because I'm super low on him too, man. Like when I sent my big board off to Arif Hassan, who does that big board project every year, he was like, here's some guys that you didn't have because I sent him my top 125. He's like, here's some guys that's not in your top 125. Jalen Ferguson was the main one that sticks out, but I'm assuming that's on purpose. And I said, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So tell me what you didn't like about Ferguson and why we might differ so much from what I guess the media perceives him to be. I just think he's super stiff on the edge and he's going to not have a – when he doesn't have an ability to threaten the outside edge, the outside hip of an offensive tackle in the NFL, and they're allowed to sit on his power, he's going to really struggle. He's just going to mm-hmm. really struggle. Those really terrible shuttle and three-cone times, you know, they're awful, but they show up on tape too. You see the stiffness when he has to convert his vertical push into a horizontal flat in that corner. It's not a very round. It's a very long corner. It's a very long, yeah. long, long process for him to get around the corner. It's like he's going for the opposite pylon. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I, you know, he has good power in his hands, and he just really – he just battered and bludgeoned a lot of the, the small school offensive tackles. And then when he did go against the better tackles at, like, LSU, the, that right tackle is garbage. Yeah. It's really not good. And he really – he took advantage. Props to him. He was really good. He did good 
altering his tempos a little bit as a pass rusher, but I just don't think that he has enough variety in his in his rushes. I don't think he's good enough with his vision wise. I don't think he's deliberate enough with his footwork and with his hands consistently enough. So a lot of issues that I see. I think he his upside is as a complimentary guy that you can use in sub packages as a pass rusher, really. Okay. Just really certain situations. He's just gotta you gotta sl- slim him down, obviously, from the two hundred and seventy one pounds he came at the pro day. That obviously was a good way he did the Jakaiba fight there. <laughs> and just so you gotta get him there and just hopefully that gets him to be more a little bit more explosive enough that he can threaten that outside hip. Because if he has no ability to threaten that outside hip of an offensive tackle, he's not gonna produce at all. And he's gonna be a really big bust for whoever chooses him in the top fifty. So the verdict on Jalen Ferguson is it's got a long ways to go. So yeah. <laughs> last question for you, John, before we get out of here, who should I be concerned with for the Cowboys? You know, let, let's let's frame it under this umbrella. Let's take a player that you're not necessarily really high on. But if he were to land with the Cowboys and Rob Marinelli, you would say, oh, I feel a lot better about him now because of the coaching, because of the fit. A guy like Max Crosby. He's a whirling dervish on the edge, and he um, and he just not a lot of purpose with his hands. There's not a lot of uh, assertiveness with his hands. He doesn't really know exactly what hand technique to use in which situations. He's kind of just throwing techniques out there to see if they work. And I think a guy like Rod Marinelli, who's really good at getting guys to hone in on their on their two or three really signature moves and how to and how to use those to their advantage. I think a guy like Max Crosby would really he really hit the higher points of his ceiling of his potential that he possibly can with a guy like Marinelli. Would you be upset if they took him in the third round? No, I would not. I would be cool with him in the third round. In the second round, second round would be second (laughs) round would be, would be too high. That would make me a little, little bit upset because I would obviously have guys way higher grades, especially at the edge defender spot. What's your dream scenario for one of these edge rushers? I think I explained to you mine where Burns slips to 18 and how Mm -hmm. he swoops in on a dragon and steals them. What's your dream scenario? Oh, mine's Christian Miller in the fourth round. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah, him dropping because of his durability. I've heard a lot of rumors that a lot of people don't expect him to go until day three. Oh. And if that's the case, I'd be down for even a small trade up to grab him in the in the early fourth. Yeah, that doesn't cost much at all to move exactly. up in the fourth round and go get him. I'd be that's all my dream. I'm I'm willing it into it. I'm willing it into <laughs> happening. He was a thirty visit for the Cowboys, so once he got the thirty visit, I was like, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. Hopes are up. Got my hopes up. <laughs> I always feel a lot better about the 30 visits after I realize they're 30 visits, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's funny. The interesting thing is uh, Bob Stern just did a study on all the pre-draft visitors. And the only team in the NFC East that picked more of their pre-draft visitors was the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's yep. funny that they're both teams that really value these pre-draft official visits. Yeah. A couple of years ago, Derek Barnett was official visit. They, they drafted him. They also drafted Shelton Gibson from that class. They brought him in and then they brought in Corey Clement. They signed him as a UDFA. So they, and at the very least they have a tell with these positions. They haven't been bringing in too many edge rushers. So you might be safe from us drafting Burns, although I, I doubt Let's it hope. if he slides. You got to get Howie to stop. I got to put him in a cage somewhere. Get him, get him out of here. <laughs> He's getting too many good players for you guys. I'm tired of I'm I'm tired of every offseason hearing the Eagles trade for a good player and me just being like, why didn't the Cowboys do that? I I'm not gonna let you jujitsu, Howie. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> John, one more time, let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, where they can find all your work. Yeah, guys, just follow me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. There you can find all my work on the uh NFL draft and on if you guys want to read about the Cowboys. I give a lot of analysis over there at Sports Day without the Dallas Morning News. I do film analysis over there, so make sure you guys check it out. 
I do. Oh, also, I have a podcast with Landon McCool called Best Coast Boys Podcast. Into, we talk a lot about the Cowboys, and we also talk about, a lot about pop culture fun stuff. So if you guys want to check that out, feel free to. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, I read all of your work. Number one, it's important to know your enemy. Also, your draft breakdowns <laughs> are awesome. So, like, honestly, like, yeah, your work is an invaluable resource throughout the season. So I really appreciate you coming on here to talk with some uh, talk about some edge rushers, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Yeah.